Hey everyone, so originally I had a standard news story episode all lined up for today, and then while at work yesterday, yes I'm back at work, the temporary ban on construction was lifted on the 18th, yay me, uh, the lengthy COVID vacation was nice while it lasted, anyway, so while being subjected to local news radio, uh, I hear that Trump has ordered the reopening of places of worship. Today I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue. Synagogue, singular. Uh, they say there's an upper Trump and a downer Trump. Looks like we've got downer Trump today. All right. And mosques. I couldn't tell if that was a dramatic pause before mosque, as if to imply, yeah, we don't like Islam, but yes, even mosques. Or if it was just that his brain failed him again for a moment. As essential places that provide essential services. Now, I think this was the point when I was listening to this over the radio at work, where I was like, okay, looks like I'm going to have to scrap the episode I've been working on all week and tackle this. To be honest, I was pretty pissed. I actually thought of starting a new show segment called Gloves Off, where I just rail and curse and plow straight through faith-based stupidity, political correctness, and other people's feelings be damned. But I've cooled down a little, so I'll try to approach this in my usual semi-tolerant style. But yeah, what really bothered me here was the assertion that places of worship are quote-unquote essential places that provide quote-unquote essential services. And I'm sure the lion's share of religious people would probably agree with him. But in fairness, I've already seen in the wake of this that there are responsible church leaders who say despite Trump's statement, they plan on erring on the side of safety and continuing to hold online services. So for myself as a secular person, as a non-believer, as charming and as interesting as I might find certain aspects of certain religions, at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I can tell looking at the evidence or lack thereof, religions are nothing more than man-made belief systems. There's a reason why it's called faith and not fact. So the idea of showing deference or granting special favor to faith-based institutions has always seemed, shall we say, problematic, to put it lightly to me. All the more so now during a time like this where we find ourselves in the grip of a pandemic, we're at war with a highly contagious virus, and one of our best weapons is social distancing. So declaring religious gathering places as quote-unquote essential seems, as hyperbolic as this might sound, to be rather dangerous and irresponsible. And what makes it all the more obscene is that most likely this is just political pandering on Trump's part. I'm not a mind reader, but if I was a betting man, I'd wager at the end of the day Trump doesn't give a shit about religion. Remember 2 Corinthians? And this has more to do with his slipping poll numbers in an upcoming election than it does serious religious conviction. 
And all of this got me thinking yesterday about those basic questions you find yourself asking when you're young and first start, you know, to question religion. Like, if there's a god, why do you have to worship him in a specific building? And why does he require you to worship him at all? Uh, seems pretty megalomaniacal, the great trump in the sky. If God is the author of creation, wouldn't a walk through the woods or communing with nature be more of an appropriate form of quote-unquote worship or communion than genuflecting in a stuffy church. Stuff I think about. I call it thought porn. Actually, I don't call it that, but it just popped into my head. Anyway, let's continue. Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential, but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. Is it just me, or did Trump sound a little like Robert De Niro there? It's not right. But anyway, so, uh, so he mentions liquor stores and abortion clinics being deemed essential services. In the case of abortion clinics, I have to plead ignorance here, but I do know that whether or not to keep quote-unquote abortion clinics open during the pandemic has been a matter of contention. And I put abortion clinics in quotes because I don't know if we're talking about places like Planned Parenthood who provide women with many other medical services besides abortion. I know that on the right, people have tried to claim that abortions make up to something like 94% of Planned Parenthood's... I hate how much I'm using quote-unquote tonight. Uh, feel free to drink up every time I say quote-unquote. I know you're probably just hiding away because of the lockdown situation anyway, so you're not driving. Feel free to take a drink. But yeah, up to 94% of Planned Parenthood's quote-unquote pregnancy services... And as far as I can tell, that's a bit of a word game. In reality, abortions might only count for, you know, as little as 3% of the medical services they provide. Um, and full disclosure, that's going by a 2013 annual report released by the organization itself. Either way, an abortion is considered a medical procedure, and depending on the individual's circumstances and just the fact that human gestation is an ongoing process, making the decision to have the procedure rather time-sensitive, I personally have no problem with making abortions available during the current pandemic. My own feelings on abortion are rather complicated and somewhat similar to those of the late Christopher Hitchens, I recognize the gravity of the situation. To quote Hitchens, an unborn child seems to me to be a real concept. That being said, I also believe in the right of a woman to choose to have autonomy over their own body. And being a guy, I always feel a little strange or self-conscious chiming in on abortion. And I'm sure at the end of the day, no one understands the seriousness of the decision to have the procedure more than the women who actually have to make that difficult choice. I think most people recognize that abortion is not something to be taken lightly. It's not a cause for celebration. It's Friday night. Let's go have an abortion, you know? And uh, in the case of liquor stores... I admit it does seem strange to consider selling people liquor an essential service. If my friend Crocoduck still listens to the show, he might have something to add to that. Uh, but supposedly the thinking is, as far as I understand it, 
that medical experts were afraid that if people who are addicted to booze are suddenly cut off cold turkey, they might suffer withdrawal symptoms, and that could add to the strain on an already overworked medical system that's focused on trying to battle this virus. I was reading that another factor is probably tax money. The government makes a nice chunk of change off of taxing booze. And now that I think about it, I'm not even sure why someone would necessarily choose to go to a liquor store when many supermarkets or food places, you know, actually sell liquor and you can have it delivered to you with your groceries via Instacart or Uber Eats or whatever. It might depend on your region, though. It wasn't until recently that we had supermarkets selling alcohol in my area. I remember I used to go over the border into New Hampshire, and there was something magical about walking into a supermarket or a convenience store and seeing shelves and refrigerator units stocked with booze. Uh, but now there's a Wegmans here, and somehow they managed to get a liquor license. So that's convenient. Anyway. So I'm correcting this injustice and in calling... Houses of worship essential. Correcting this injustice. Don't get me wrong, if they can have small services where the congregants are adequately spaced apart and everyone's wearing gloves and masks, I don't think it would be a big deal. But I wonder how that would work. How would you determine who's allowed to attend and who stays at home? I know there's reasonable religious people out there who would be willing to put safety first and volunteer to stay at home or whatever, but there's also right-wing religious nutters out there who either don't believe the virus is real, or they do acknowledge it's real, but they think God will magically shield them from getting it. I'm thinking of that viral video of the woman being recorded leaving a church service, no gloves, no mask, and proudly exclaiming she's covered in the blood of the Lamb. In her make-believe world, is everyone else also protected by the blood of the Lamb, or does she even stop to think whether or not she could be exposing others? Then there's also the guy, also no gloves or mask, who was interviewed at a lockdown protest, who, paraphrasing, claimed that his health and whether or not he gets sick are in God's hands. Same question for him. Does he even stop to think whether or not he might be putting others at risk? I call upon governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. If there's any question, they're going to have to call me, but they're not going to be successful in that call. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. Okay, so I'll say in fairness, yes, churches do seem to provide a kind of social cohesion. What that says about us as a species, I'm not sure. The fact that superstition and groupthink tend to bond us together. But yeah, I'm sure there are benefits to the social interaction and connectedness that being a part of a church offers, as long as it's not a cult. Get out of Dodge when Reverend Jim starts passing out the Kool-Aid. But are the benefits of a church service or any kind of group interaction worth risking public safety during a pandemic? Once again, there's always the sensible compromise of holding or attending services online, or you can keep in touch with other members of your church via social media, FaceTime, over the phone, whatever. I don't see why church groups specifically should be granted special privileges when it's a matter of public safety. But like I said, I think this is more about political pandering than a sincere concern for devout Americans.
The people are demanding to go to church and synagogue, go to their mosque. And I know I misspeak all the time, but once again, synagogue, singular. He must really like that particular synagogue. Okay. Many millions of Americans embrace worship as an essential part of life. That's unfortunate. The ministers, pastors, rabbis, imams, and other faith leaders will make sure that their congregations are safe as they gather and pray. Well, I certainly hope so, for all our sakes. And I'm just thinking again about the logistics. Most people regard social distancing, specifically about a distance of six feet, to be integral in safeguarding against the virus. And usually churches are packed full of congregants. It'll be interesting to see how diligently or not so diligently they observe these guidelines, you know. I know them well. He knows them well. They love their congregations. They love their people. They don't want anything bad to happen to them or to anybody else. The governors need to do the right thing and allow these very important essential places of faith to open right now. Okay, so earlier I ran into some technical difficulties trying to download this clip from the original source I was going to use, uh, and apparently it just ends right there. So I'm using a screen capture tool, and we're going to continue from where the last version of this, uh, this video stopped. For this weekend, if they don't do it, I will override the governors. In America, we need more prayer, not less. Okay, so just as a brief recap, so we had Trump saying that this has to happen now, this weekend. And if the governors don't, you know, cooperate, he'll overrule it. So, tough guy coming through. Uh, he'll override the governors. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, and so there he says, uh, America needs more prayer, not less. And damn, I almost forgot about that. That was another part that really set me off when I first heard this at work. In America, we need more prayer, not less. Yeah, because prayer always, you know, fixes everything. <laughs> Whenever someone tries to promote the alleged efficacy of prayer, I always think about what Richard Dawkins said in one of his documentaries. He visited Lord, you know, or Lords, is it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, a bar I'm a vulgar barbarian. Um, that famous pilgrimage site in France. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect that it's interesting that prayer usually only seems to, you know, quote-unquote work or help things that might have gotten better anyway. You never see it achieve anything truly miraculous like the regeneration of a severed limb. Other than some mild health benefits similar to those of meditation, you know, lowering stress, blood pressure, that kind of thing, and possibly some kind of emotional or psychological benefit that might come from the satisfaction of wishing someone well or knowing someone else is wishing you well, uh, what does prayer realistically achieve? My guess is a giant goose egg. Nothing. Nada. And yet, whenever there's a disaster, a school shooting, the politicians come out and ask us to pray. Uh, I'm almost tempted to curse, uh, you know, go into a gloves-off mode at the very end here, but I'll contain myself. Uh, so that's it. Uh, 
Now I'm on to the uh, to the laborious editing process. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Until next time, thanks.